This is uh, Black Rabbit Hole, episode two, take one. Podcasting live from Daniel M. O'Connell Playground here in Queens. I'm Vance Lang, and this is episode two, take one, like I said before, right? <laughs> How's everybody doing? Hope you enjoyed, uh, what do we call it, June Team 2, Electric Boogaloo. I'm out here uh, podcasting live, like I said, from the park. Uh, hopefully hopefully the sound's not too crazy, but again, it's that podcast world, and this is how, this, this how it is, and this is how it's going to be. You know, I had said that when I started this, and the name is the Black Rabbit Hole and all that, that this was going to be, like, not something that was, like, specifically black, but, uh, you know, to paraphrase James Baldwin to be black and to be somewhat conscious is to be in like a constant rage and it's like always something that you have to talk about to like say you know at least what the racial part is and then what you know the other part is or whatever the other part is and there's a lot of stuff going on and I don't want to hit them too hard uh, but again I want this podcast to uh, you know follow that thing of also being informative contemporary and whatnot even though this is also just kind of an experiment for me to kind of just produce a podcast about me and hopefully i'm really trying to just kind of tell my story in a sense but um be that again it's a truck going by in the background but you know i got this pretty good mic here so should be minimal uh leakage but uh anyway um but just trying to make this uh, a personal type podcast so um having said that i watched the news and i experienced the news just like the rest of you and i have opinions and thoughts uh on things I, I don't express them a lot, but, you know, I do tend to, uh, you know, have a feeling one way or the other. A lot of big stories this week, one being the, uh, the Bill Cosby uh, situation. Uh, and again, I ain't going to speak too much on that. Uh, people have their opinions one way or the other. What I observe, what I see is sometimes there are people who project their own situations onto things and from a lot of different angles. I just say that and want to make it about them i guess i'll say it in that sense uh which you know in this case with a lot of things regarding celebrities and famous people and whatnot and basing your whole opinion and existence on whatever it is they say but you know so again people have a lot of projections and whatnot but i'll just say this you know who ain't made no comment mrs bill cosby she ain't saying nothing i ain't gonna say too much more past that moving on uh shikari Shikari. Two weeks ago, ain't nobody know who this girl was. At least I didn't, and a lot of people did not know that there was this black girl that was about to uh, make it to the Olympics. Yay, Shikari. Uh, and then we find out she didn't smoke the weed or she didn't hit the edible, and now she got to sit out. Hey, the rules be rules sometimes. Uh, is it fair? Maybe not. But, hey. Uh, that's what it is. Um, she young. She got time to recover and uh, do that thing. Do do the, uh, you know, do it some more. Hussein Bolt ran in what three different Olympics. Um, she got time. Uh, a lot of lot of us are still out here smoking weed, and you know, some people don't because of their job or they find ways around it or whatever. You know, not passing no judgment on that girl. You know, uh, run that four by one, do your thing, and keep it clean. <laughs> so uh the olympics period though um miss uh, i think her name is barry who uh, had the uh the, the the standoff with the anthem and whether or not um they were supposed to be playing it at that particular moment her known activism already 
you know, uh, I, I, the, again, it, it is what it is. She's there. She made it. The same thing with Shikari, you know, shit. My old ass, I can't run a hot bath without uh, breaking out into a sweat. So uh, if that girl can uh, run while she high and whatnot, do you. If that girl can make it to be the third person on that stand and then want to say, hey, you know what? I can't help it that I'm from America. So I'm gonna I'm let my my disdain a little bit be known, or my my disagreements with America, uh, and that's what she did. She did that. So you know, hey, it is what it is. Another Olympic story: the uh, ban on the swim caps, the uh, African Afro the Afro friendly swim caps. <sighs> Again, it's like I ain't saying it's racial. But it looked like it because I think one of the things that the organizing committee said was um, it didn't fit the natural form of the head or something to that extent. Basically, to say what your what your thing does is abnormal, which, you know, um, and and later on during this podcast series, I'm going to actually later on during this podcast series, I'm actually going to introduce you guys to an attorney. Uh, who specializes actually in uh, child athlete abuse cases and things like that. Um, so that kind of ties into this because there's some, there's a lot of things with female sports that are just kind of rank. You know, I don't know whatever what other way to put it. So we're going to talk about that too. So, you know, there's that. Um, and then with the whole swimming thing in general, um, if you're on my Facebook page, the Black Rabbit Hole, make sure you're on the Black Rabbit Hole. Um, I posted this, uh, I posted a video of the synchronized swimming team and I said, if white privilege was a sport and, you know, and like water polo too, these things about the, the things with black people in swimming and black people in water and um, the lack of access to water. And there are a few videos and I kind of fell into this rabbit hole, this black rabbit hole of looking for black synchronized swimmers. And it was, it was hard to find. There were few and far in between. And again, just the, just the differences in the video of, you know, uh, one, there's appropriation from this. There's this white girl who's doing dance moves underwater while she's synchronized swimming. Whole different conversation, but kind of the same conversation. But then most of the videos that I could find that dealt with black people were either white people helping them out or the black girl in a dirty pool. <laughs> it was just weird. Um, so we're going to delve into this, some of that uh, a little bit more in between episodes and whatnot. Make sure you're on the Facebook page, Black Rabbit Hole. That's where the, the conversations happen. Again, we're trying to spread this thing around the Twitch, the YouTube. Uh, got a lot of stuff coming in this podcast. We're going meet, to meet up with Light Skin Ken a little bit later. And uh, we're also going to talk to my parents uh, in just a moment, uh, part two of that interview. I'm just going to transition into that now. I'm going to get off the, the black sh- the black shit and get back to uh, <laughs> the podcast. So this is another piece of the conversation between my mom and dad. Uh, and then, like me just kind of talking about learning, remembering what I would assume was, I guess, is a lot of people's first memories of life. It's probably the first thing you read or the first thing, you know, you smelled or something. The first thing to me I remember was reading the word beef. Uh, so I talk about that with my parents. We talk about the neighborhood we grew up in, some early, early racialisms in life, 
and uh, and other stuff like that. So uh, we'll dip in on that conversation right now. So I'll start here at, at what I'll call my starting point of life. And the first thing I probably ever remember in life uh, was reading the word beef at the IGA in Mount Vernon. Um, I was probably three or four years old. And I remember getting out of the car and looking up at the window and seeing the B-E-E-F beef. And then I remember reading everything else, walking through the store, getting back to the house. And uh, the book, what book was it? Danny and the Dinosaur, I think, is the book that was at the house. And that was... I, and I say I had to be three or four years old. It was it was a while between that and then getting to school and then, you know, them putting a the book in front of me and, okay, son up, this is Buffy, this is Mac, this is, they had a great day, awesome. All right, what's next? And that was probably the beginning of my ADD too, but. <laughs> but. Because um, you was already reading when you went to school and you, could, you were already doing all that stuff, reading. Right, uh, thinking ahead of everybody else, you know, speaking your mind. So that was you. you know, that was you. You and Victor were completely opposite. You know, he's a quiet person, and you were you were out there. Hey, and I remember the first house we had in Hillsdale on Hunley Road, um, and I got flashes of memories of the neighbor from Africa. Flashes of memories of uh, Victor still got this scar on his leg when he dropped an air conditioner in uh, in the backyard. We was like moving the air conditioner. Pamela and Michael lived down the street. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then um, eventually we we moved around to Galena. Y'all remember uh, the Confederate flag incident? Who had the flag? Was Jack? It was the car. Yeah, it was Mr. Carney. Yeah. Okay, and and that was, you know, and again, this wasn't like I said, it wasn't like we were like some black military family or something. But I remember, um, you know, like being outside playing or whatever, and they were moving in. Um, and again, as a kid, you know, we had just moved in, so it's cool. Somebody else is moving in, and then I remember like walking out of the house one day, and like the flag was up. And then mom like walked out behind me and it was like, it wasn't a oh hell no, but it was like a, uh-uh, or, you know, something. <laughs> and she went in the house and got daddy and daddy walked over to the house and knocked on the door and walked in and there was a conversation <laughs> and daddy and <laughs> Mr. Carney walked out and the flag came down. And then we were nice neighbors with the white people next door, you know? <laughs> well, true that, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, as a kid, I remember that experience. And it was it was never, like, it wasn't like we had a conversation or anything about it afterwards. Um, I still, you know, came later to understand what the rebel flag was. But I remember hearing the words rebel flag. <laughs> And that it was something that wasn't about to happen. <laughs> it's facing our house. Not on Galena Drive. <laughs> I have all these little pictures I've been kind of pu pulling up. Like, this is, um, if y'all can see that. First drum, yeah. Uh, the first, uh, first drum. drum set. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> tell you about that drum, too. Um, yeah. um, you know, we didn't, we didn't know much about, um, 
We thought that drum over by Shaw High School. Some lady was, I guess her kid was in the Shaw High School band and sold us that drum. It was too, it was much too big for you at the time, really. <laughs> it was a, it was a high school snare drum, and you were about four, five years old, five, six years old. Couldn't have been, yeah. But, uh, but it was a high school snare drum. Well, what it was, we was trying to get the, the pots and pans out of the, the can that get went to the Mardi Gras, and you was just beating, I mean, getting the pots out, just beating everything. So your dad just decided we gonna just get him a drum and just, you know, be done with this because, I mean, every time you come in the kitchen, you probably, we probably got some pictures of you beating a pot because you would just, <laughs> because you would just beat all the time. And so we was just like, we just go. You know, get drunk and be. Mm-hmm. And we, I don't know. Oh, you know, it wasn't no internet or not then. I don't know how we got up with that lady. We looked in the water ads. <laughs> yeah. Something um, we had to, we had to find out about her some way because, you know, we had just moved to Mobile, and we didn't know much about town really. But I, I recall it was somewhere near Shaw High School, and uh, we bought that drum for that lady. I think she was kind of glad to <laughs> pass it on to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. You just said you alluded to uh, we, you all had just moved to Mobile. When we grew up in Mobile, the area where we lived in Hillsdale Heights was, uh, and you guys can fill me in on this, it was basically like a half, half and half of students that went to South Alabama living closer to the campus. And then the rest of Hillsdale was. I guess mixed use housing where some people were able to buy the homes that they lived in and other people rented from the university or the university owned a certain well, amount of houses and Mobile was uh, kind of bad shape. So there were people like living on the Hickory Street dump. People were poor downtown, had nowhere to live. That's when they just started building housing projects. So from downtown Mobile, where the center of everything was, the hills they height maybe a 20 minute drive or whatever. So they built that community for black people, mainly people that worked uh, at Brooklyn Air Force Base. It was affordable housing at the time. Mm-hmm. But many of the people rejected it because they didn't want to live way out there. That's what they call it. So they start flocking back downtown. The houses start going down. So what happened to the state, it was a federal government project, so the state bought the property when they built University of South Alabama and decided to make it marriage student house because South Alabama at the time was just a uh, commuter school. Didn't have any uh, norms set up and all that, so it was a commuter school. So it was just, just fine for them, you know, just go in there and pick the houses up a little bit. And, uh, students could rent them very cheap. I think our rent was like $112 a month. You know, and then some of the people, well, you'll know, but in the front of Hillsdale had stayed. Some of them stayed and bought their house. They could buy the house, but they couldn't buy the property because the property belonged to the state. So that's why they're still in those houses right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, so we were in Hillsdale and, you know, and, you know, having said that, um, if I recall, everybody immediately around us was white. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Because uh, we had to make them give us that house. They didn't want that. <laughs> So we had the we had the Carnies and then the lady that moved in on the other side with uh, the three daughters, the two or three daughters, and yeah. then the, the lady across the street that worked at the pet store. Donia. No, the I, 
I remember we had some. I had to had some racialisms with Nathan and Carl, <laughs> which was funny because they said something. Um, I think he might have said it to Victor, but something about us being slaves in our mama's belly or something. You know, uh, these things. You know, I didn't think of anything of it as a kid. <laughs> I remember you saying his, he said something because it didn't make sense to me being slaves. I remember, I remember you telling me something about that, but it didn't. But you see, that's that's just that goes to uh, do the idea of racism. Those little boys had to be taught that. Yeah, you know? they, they didn't. That wasn't something because they were too young to even be in school. Almost, I think they were younger than all of them. Uh, they were like right in between me and Victor. The, the oldest was was a little younger than Victor, but older than me. And then the younger one was younger than me. And you know, I think he was the one that was saying, "Yeah." And then down the street, down next to Leon, there was a little guy named Matthew. Me and Matt, were, uh, we were that was my friend. <laughs> and um, and then I remember there was a black lady down on the corner, Miss Wimbush. Yeah, Miss uh, Wimbush still. <laughs> Okay. That was the the older guy at the end of the street. Mr. Eddie. Mr. Eddie. Mr. Eddie. Uh -huh. And then um um we're gonna go down this whole street here. Um uh the Tuckers, Brian Tucker, Brian and Marie. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. The end. But uh yeah, we had a nice little uh well mostly like you said, immediately around us was white people. Yeah. Um but Again, it was nothing that was to me abnormal. That's just where we lived. Um, oh, remember the goods? Remember the goods? The goods guy and Susan Good. Uh, I had this picture around here somewhere. Because yeah. um, I remember after they moved, we went across the bay. We went across, we made a trip across the bay uh, yeah. <laughs> to uh, visit them. Uh -huh. Across the bay. We're going to stop right there. Across the bay. Uh, you know, for my folks who are watching this from Mobile, appreciate y'all watching it. Y'all know what Across the Bay is. Uh, for my people, you know, anyone else that's watching this, if you're not from Mobile, you know, and again, I live in New York City now, so the best way I can describe it to my New York people is, like, uh, New York City is the metro area. Like, Mobile is the metro area. And then Long Island, Westchester, suburbs, and where people from the metro area, you know, uh, they make too much money to live in the metro area, and so they start to move to the suburb area. And that's what Across the Bay is, kind of, you know, in a sense, if you put it that way. Uh, and that's how I describe Long Island and Westchester to people from, uh, from, from Mobile. I say it's like, those are like the Baldwin counties of, you know, New York City. Um, so when people move across the bay, generally to get away from Mobile, kind of. Um, but that's a whole nother story. Definitely a whole nother story, but... Uh, yeah, we're gonna um, have. A, I got a little more film on mom and dad. Uh, the the you can see the quality was not great uh, with the signal. Bandwidth was uh, was acting up. So uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you the third part of that in the next episode and a couple other things. But um, let these cars pass again. We doing this live. We doing it live, baby. Um, this podcast uh, is gonna go go a lot of different places i'm hopefully i'm hoping to uh have some type of uh digital content creator consortium here where every day i can bring you at least you know a few minutes of some type of different entertainment education just chill out whatever it is I, like i said before i'm working on getting my uh 
legal my legal person in here um, working on getting like some music people in here having some really highbrow conversations and uh, everything in between and speaking of highbrow conversations and everything in between I'm gonna check in with my man light skin Ken <laughs> like I said this podcast is going all over the place so I ain't even gonna explain that too much right now um, you gotta just stay engaged if you you know if you know you know if you don't you don't but uh, I'm gonna bring in light skin Ken and we're gonna chop it up a little bit in the black rabbit hole Black spaces in these black spaces, man. That's what I'm trying to do uh, digitally, man. So, like, I'm trying to just... It's what, like 49 million black people in the United States? We got a lot of people, man, and a lot of people we got to learn how to connect with. The internet them brought us a way to connect where you can be in Mobile, Alabama and still be in New York, L.A., South Dakota, North Dakota. And that's what we got to get on. Louis Farrakhan. Louis Farrakhan had a million man march twice. If Louis Farrakhan would have been... Let's just say he just said this $10 thing I'm talking about. Let's yeah. say he got all 1 million of them people to commit to $10 a month, okay? That's like $100 million, $120 million a year. You know what I mean? There's so many ways we can connect with this thing. I want to have a million-man economic march. That's one of my goals. I want to do that. If, hey. if, if we got black people to gather at the Washington uh, Memorial Monument, whatever it is, up there twice... We should be able to do it with something to gain. You know what I mean? That's a real forward motion. If he got a, them million people that came up there, I know all of them could put up $10. They had they had to do it to get there. You hear me? I know it, right. And we know they had to do it to get there. And, you know, they got it. And if they didn't do it to get there, you, you miss a lunch, you miss a drink at the club or something, and you put that $10 up for the sake of development, infrastructure. Cause that's what we miss in infrastructure. We don't, we, 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 we not sick. We, we dead last. Our people, we gotta be teachers. You know what I mean? We gotta be teachers, man. And, and not be aggressive teaching them, not belittling them, trying to teach them, but teaching them in a way that they can accept it, man. And, and be receptive, man. And, you know, it ain't gonna change and everybody ain't gonna come. And hell, I don't want everybody to come. Like even just being in the news and, you know, like seeing how people react to, certain stories some way and yeah I'd be guilty of it too or whatever but like you know and then also being able to see things both ways you know the little weed girl the little track girl you know go from ain't nobody knowing her ass on Tuesday to she in the Olympics on Thursday and now she just smoke weed on Saturday and, and we hate her and then they like you know a lot thing. of wanted a lot of us wanted to hate her anyway because of her hair the most of the people that had a problem with her when they found out she smoked weed they did it. A lot of us do a lot of stuff for social media. A lot of us, a lot of those people like that, because her hair and her nails, they wanted to hate her, but they congratulated her. So when she messed up, it was real easy for them to come in and say to a kid. You know what I mean? And that's what's wrong with us, man. We got a big uh, gap uh, between the educated and uneducated between the hood and the suburbs. Uh, if we're not able to bridge that gap right there, we're going to forever be gone. It worked both ways, man. Uh, it's light and it's dark. You know what I mean? And to get it going in this world, you got to take people that are systematically educated and street smart. You know what I mean? Because America's ran by the streets. They ran by tyranny, murder, and all this other stuff that they look on the news and see. That's what America ran by. Ain't no non-rebel going to lead no rebellion because they the non-rebels are too systematic. They keep on thinking that it's going to happen through the same system. It's not. 
It's not. This is not gonna happen. I'm not. You're not. I'm not gonna take you capture in my house, hold you hostage, manipulate you, and then let you take over. I'm gonna give you a little bit and get a lot. And that's what happened with civil rights, and that's what happened with everything to 1865 or, or this, or, or what do you want to call it, Juneteenth. I'm not free. And my people Come ain't either. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm not gonna, you know, we're not, we're not, I'm, we live in a bunch of delusion, man. Uh, just last year, 2020, Trump and the pandemic had us boycotting 4th of July. This year, 4th of July was back in full effect for you African colored Americans. And I don't know who side I'm on right now. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> Bro, look, and I ain't saying look, my whole thing, I I, I, I try to be objective, you know, as a journalist and look at both sides and and, and, and I just try to stay with the truth. <laughs> and this is why I'd be angry, you know, this is why I'd be angry, like, watching, like, these Republicans and even the Democrats, too, and, like, when they just sit there and say the bullshit out loud. And, and people don't listen to it. They don't receive it. They don't... These people spit in our face often and we look right over it. We look over like it's not even happening. And it's, it's partly because we have a lot of trust in if the teacher ain't teaching it, the preacher ain't preaching it, and the news media not reporting it, it can't be true, or it can be true. And that's a part of that system, man, and that's what we got to understand, man. In 1921 and before, and all them other little towns that they had, them folks couldn't vote, they have no credit, and they weren't part of no system, but they own, and that's how they was able to flourish. And until we get that mentality... Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah if we don't, if we don't, until we get that mentality back, we dead. It's not gonna happen at the polls. It's not gonna happen in the pews. Or, it's not gonna happen in the pews or the polls. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, man. Yeah, it ain't gonna. It ain't gonna happen. It ain't gonna. Not a politician or a pastor. You know what I mean? It, I'm, I'm been here 45 years, man, and I ain't seen it work yet. I'm not about. I'm about. I'm about. I, I ain't saying quit a plan. I'm saying, but you got to reform and reconstruct at some point if it ain't working. After 20 years, if something ain't working, you got to switch something up. And we, yeah, we 20 plus years of uh, hundreds of years of whenever they gave you the first vote, right? We that long into this. And it's like a bad domestic violence relationship, man. We just keep getting beat mentally and physically abused and keep on, we keep on loving our abuser. And we yeah, talk bro. about women that don't leave these situations. You know what I'm saying? I always use that T.I. quote from some shit from his first album when he said, if it ain't a trap, then what are we doing in it? <laughs> um, I'd be up here, um, Again, um, you know, every borough riding through these, you know, the projects and shit, Queens, Queens Bridge and like the side, again, just again, talking about just the projects and the, you know, New York Housing Authority amounts, again, of people that are just warehoused really and just stuck together in these no-win situations. And it's like, you mean to tell me that these, this, these projects been here for 20 years and you can't figure out how to at least make them cool. At least make the schools good enough and make we this see, city good we enough see. where like we ain't got these billion dollar buildings with homeless people see, sitting at the doorstep. That's another thing, man. This conversation go all day, man. But I'm gonna tell you it's another that's another thing we gotta learn how to import and export and start getting these places and building our own manufacturing companies where we can do the same thing that the Americans do in Bangladesh and all them other places. Those sweatshops they got over there, they're American funded. You know what I mean? 
this just what's going on, you know what I mean? And, right. and it's for a little bit of money, man. So once we start to understand that and stop worrying about, these are three things that, that, that black people are on right now. Land, trucking, and crypto in the stock market, right? That's the hot thing right now, right? Listen, they told me this right here. If a bunch of them run into it, get away from it. That ain't how you gonna get $100 million. That's not how you gonna get $10 million. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that, 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 that's that's real talk. And well, um, that's why I'm trying to figure out this uh, this stream thing, man. So where you know I'm putting up an hour every day. Oh look, shout out to my man, man. We down here in, in Pritchard, Alabama. Now this is something of one of the black hoods, the first black man to bring a civilized hey. shake joint to the city. <laughs> Lotus, man. Oh, I'm uptown, but I'm at Lotus, man. And that's what it is, man. Shout out to my man, Big Ed Williams, for putting it down here. And we're going to be live tonight. What you say with Mandy May, uh, Portia the News, Dubai, Warren, man. You hear me? Yeah, <laughs> man. Hey, look, man. I'm going to highlight you, man. Let me get ready for this show, man. I'm going to talk to you later, bro. For the show, Light Skin King. Appreciate you coming by, man. We'll highlight you. All good. All right, man. All right. Definitely great to chop it up with my homie Light Skin Ken. We used to do a lot of crazy radio commercials together. That's a whole other story. But um, again, uh, good to see. Uh, I love to see people doing positive things. We trying to, like I said, with this, this podcast and other things, just trying to get more black faces into more of these digital spaces and taking advantage uh, of what's what's here for us and, um, you know, trying to trying to get our spots. Uh, thank you for joining us. Please uh, make sure you subscribe to uh, the Black Rabbit Hole podcast on Google, on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. You should be able to search the Black Rabbit Hole, YouTube, and also Twitch. Twitch is where I really, I'm really working on trying to get this kind of getting a weekly thing going. Um, but uh, like I said, this is all a work in progress And uh, I hope that uh, you're getting something out of it Or at least getting as much as I am out of it Just getting this out of me So we'll join. We'll see you again in two weeks for the podcast Again, stay engaged with all the Black Rabbit Hole channels uh, I'll be doing lives on my Facebook page You know, again, just trying to spread these positive digital vibes I'm Vangelang, you're in the Black Rabbit Hole We'll catch you next time. Holler.